Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Hey, my name is Philip, and I'm the associate pastor here at First Baptist Delray, as uh, Pastor Jimmy mentioned. So we're excited to be with you. And I believe God gave us a word this morning. Pastor Steve actually asked that I would share from John chapter 15. Uh, you can see it on the screen, John chapter 15. You could turn there, verse 18 through 27. We have been in a series. You can go back. We've been in a series for the last two years in the book of Acts, right? So we've just been slowly going through Scripture. And it's really our typical series, right? So we don't typically do too many... Um, series where uh, they're just on topics, but we try to do series based on um, really the text and, and preach expository messages where we go right through the scriptures, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line by line, and uh, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but that's just the way we feel like led to do it. And so Pastor Steve's going to be finishing up the book of Acts this summer, so be here the next couple of weeks, July I think right up until about August, we'll be finally finished with Acts, which is exciting because he's going to have, uh, I think, a little uh, mini-series right, leading us right into September. And we'll be starting, uh, obviously, a new, a new scripture and a new book, and, and I'm just excited for what God's doing. And so uh, be here this summer. We're going to be finishing up Acts. But this scripture today, as he asked me to share, is going to kind of support next week's message on Acts 26 that he'll be sharing from. So I think it's a good thing to kind of see the correlation from the gospel, and it sets up what Jesus is talking about today, what the disciples are going to experience uh, next week. So let's go ahead and get right to the word. Um, and if you're taking notes, you can kind of take notes. I usually put these on the website slash notes, but they're not up there today. So you just have to take notes on your own and follow along together. Let's read together. The word of God says in John 15, verse 18, I'm in the English Standard Version. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Uh, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Underline that word spoken if you want, or maybe just write that down. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did. You can underline that word works. They would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And underline that last word, their witness. And these are going to kind of be key points for us to see from this passage. I want to preach to you a message that I believe God gave me this morning uh, entitled Embracing Cancel Culture. Embracing Cancel Culture. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would speak to us now by your word, by your spirit, and that you would touch, convict, um, Lord, encourage, Lord, lift heads today 
and help us to see Jesus before we leave, that we would know you, we would have a glimpse of you, God, that we would experience you and we would leave this place changed. Um, and we ask that you would have your way in us. Our hearts are open. Our eyes are open. We want to hear and see uh, from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys are actually familiar with cancel culture? You've heard of this term, yeah? Most of you. If you watch the news or if you spend any time on Twitter, which hopefully you don't spend too much time on Twitter, uh, but if you're on Twitter or if you're on Facebook long enough, you'll hear about cancel culture. And cancel culture is this idea of destroying people's public image uh, based literally sometimes on, you know, not actual facts, right? So celebrities might say something, you know, I've seen athletes just retweet stuff and like they get canceled. They lose endorsement deals. They lose sponsorships. People lose their jobs over something they said when they were 12 years old and now they're 62 years old. Uh, cancel culture becomes this way of avoiding the nuances of conversation and avoiding all of those things to literally impose our own convictions on others, right? And so if we disagree with someone politically, you're canceled, right? Uh, if you said something when you were 12 years old and you did something, if you went to the wrong school, you're canceled. If you work at a company that I don't like, you're canceled, right? Uh, cancel culture is pervasive in our culture, and I would propose to you today, we need to embrace cancel culture. We need to uh, understand that if we're going to be in Christ, we will be canceled and we will be hated for him. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 15. As Christians, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. He said, I've called you out of the world. Um, John says it like this. He says that we're in the world, we're not of the world. Peter says we're aliens and strangers on this earth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're new creations in Christ. There's this picture of, yeah, we all go to Publix, but I'm not the same person that I used to be. Yeah, we all shop at Target, but, you know, I'm different than this world. So we're in the world. We go to the same places. I'm at the same high school. I go to the same college, but I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Sometimes we think we have to, you know, separate ourselves physically from people that are lost because we're called out to be separate. But that's not exactly what, you know, Christ is mentioning, that we should create our own subculture of never going outside of the bubble of our own little Christian world. He's saying we're in the world, but we're not of the world. It's a new creation in us. We're aliens. We're strangers on this earth. Being born again means taking on a new nature. It means being born of the spirit and what happens when we are born again? We are regenerated by the Spirit of God. It's just like the waters of baptism. That's why the baptism uh, waters are so uh, explicitly just a great example of what happens on the inside of us. We go down into the waters of baptism. We come back up as a new person. We're fully submerged, and, and we die to ourselves, and we're raised to life in Christ. It's a spiritual birth that happens on the inside of us. The physical birth uh, that happened with Christ as he died an actual death and was raised to life. So we are born again of the spirit. We are dying to our old self and we become a completely new person. And Satan, the enemy, hates God and he hates us because God is in us. And Paul said before Christ, we were actually enemies of God. Right. So before Christ, we were enemies of God. Now in Christ, we're enemies of this world. 
And so literally there's this line in the sand that Jesus uh, draws and we're either going to be enemies of God before Christ or we're going to be enemies of the world after Christ. And there's really no in-between. There's no straddling the fence. Many times we want to, some people want to hang on to their lifestyle and they want to be an enemy of God, but they also want to not go to hell, so they want to be an enemy of this world. And really what happens is we become destroyed when we straddle the fence. And so we've got to understand that Jesus drew a line in the sand. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when we are born of the Spirit, that is the identifier that we are Christ's. Bible says that he is the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance that we are born of the Spirit. Now we are Christ's. And now we are enemies of this world. Jesus draws a line in the sand. And the, the big thing we need to understand is that we're in a war as Christians. And we, we, as soon as we become born again, now we're, we've got like a helmet. You know, it's like and a, a sword. You know what I mean? And like that's why the Bible talks about the Bible being a sword of the Spirit. And Ephesians talks about the armor that we are to put on. And so many times we, we can be uh, naive that, to, to not understand the type of war we're in. Many times we confuse uh, the war in the Spirit and we think that we're at the war with people. Some of us think we're at war with the Democrats. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yeah, I know some of you think that. Yeah, you did. Some of y'all think we're at war with the Republicans. Some of y'all think we're at war with China. Some of us think we're at war with Russia. We're not at war with any of those people. We are at war with Satan and a third of the fallen angels, the spirit of Antichrist that is opposing God himself. We're not at war with people. The Bible says that we are at war against not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the spirit of darkness. And so the darkness can, and the enemy, he'll use people. He'll possess people. He'll oppress people, and he'll use people. And so people are not our enemy. We need to not cancel anyone. Jesus didn't even cancel the thief on the cross. So I believe if there's life, there's hope. So we don't want to cancel people, but when people cancel us, we need to count it all joy. We can't be afraid to be canceled by this world. We need to wake up spiritually today and say, I'm in a war. I'm in a battle, and it's not against people. And if people are going to cancel me, I don't care about my public image anymore. I'm not worried about what people think about me. I'm in a battle. I'm in a war, and I'm going to stand on the winning side. Amen? And I've got to understand who I am in Christ. And when we identify with Christ, we will count it actual joy when people cancel us. Paul says to count it all joy when you fall into trials. You know, and sometimes we think we fall into trials because, uh, you know, we're just oh man, this is just persecution. Sometimes it's not persecution. It's just stuff that we make up, you know? But I want us to see the scripture today. We go back to John uh, chapter 15. Some of the observations I see, Jesus was preparing his, his disciples to understand that they were going to face persecution if they followed him, and if they're going to be canceled by this world if they're true followers of Christ. First uh, Peter 2, 9 says this. Peter, in, in the King James, he says, but ye and you, the church, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And that peculiar word, in it comes from the Latin, pecus, and it comes from the Latin because the King James was translated from Greek into Latin into English, which kind of makes it not exactly the most accurate uh, version of the scripture, but it has a very uh, a great meaning, and obviously it's still, I believe, inspired scripture, and so you can use all the translations. There's not one better than the other, but... Uh, the point is going back to the Greek, we go back to that actual word that peculiar is in the Greek, it's parapoiesis, right? And this word is 
less about being peculiar, because we think about peculiar, that's weird. Like anyone who dips their french fries in mayonnaise, that's peculiar, right? So that's a weird person. I don't know who does that. Or mixes the mayonnaise with the ketchup and the, and the mustard, that's peculiar. That's weird. But peculiar is not talking about being weird or being just like, okay, that's, we're a weird people. No, we're not a peculiar people. The Bible says in other translations, we're a people belonging to God. And that word parapoiesis is really about making something. Peri is the, 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 the prefix meaning around, right? And so what happens, we make something and then we kind of put our arms around it. Whenever my son gets a new toy, he grabs it and he puts his arm around it whenever I say, uh, I'm going to take that away, right? And so it's like, he says, this is mine. He says, this is my blue. This is my iPad. This is my toy. And so what God does is he makes that, he makes us into his own people. And then he kind of puts a circle around us and he, and he just says, you're my possession. And that's what it means to be a peculiar people. It's that we belong to God now. We are connected to him. He takes ownership of us. We're not weird. Jesus was not hated because he was weird, right? And so many times in the church we think, well, uh, you know, you've got to act a certain way and talk a certain way. Jesus wasn't uh, weird. We're not called to be weird. We're called to be a witness. We're called to be people that are different. But we're not called to be weird. And so many times in Western Christianity here in America, we get a little bit weird, don't we? We start fighting over the color of the carpet. We start fighting over uh, what songs we sing on Sunday or what time we start in the morning. Or We get into so many different battles of things that people in China are not worried about. People in China, the church in China that's growing faster than the church in America, they're, they're growing fast because they're just holding on to one page of Scripture and they're just telling someone about the good news of Jesus. And if they get caught, they might get killed or put in prison for living and preaching out the gospel of Jesus. We're over here worried about, uh, are we going? five minutes over on Sunday, right? And so many times our worries um, are not actually, you know, they're not actually a witness. They're just weird. We put weird things into our faith. And so I want to go back to the text and let's, let's kind of focus in on what Jesus was really saying. I think to us today, right through the scripture in John chapter 15, we should be hated. And he says, you will be hated, but what should we be hated for? Hopefully it's not for being weird, right? And sometimes, Christians, we can, we can do things that the world starts to hate us for because it's like, well, if you don't come to church with a suit on or if you don't come to church with an ankle-length skirt or if you say the wrong things and if you don't talk a certain way, the world can hate us because of, for all the wrong reasons. I hope the world hates us for the right reasons. These right reasons are seen in John chapter 15 right here. The first is our words. The world hated Jesus for his words. He says this in the scripture, he says right here, uh, what is this, verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them with his words, they would have not been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin, right? And so Jesus said a lot of crazy stuff that made people upset. One of the most uh, crazy things he ever said to make people upset and make people hate him was he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. This was a very hard Weird, like just crazy scripture. I hate to use the word weird. It was a very complex scripture. He was, he was really offending people. And even people that were following him said, man, I, I love you, Jesus. I've seen miracles. He said that. They were like, yo, I don't know. I don't know if I can hang around. And so he started to have people hate him for these words. The Pharisees definitely did because he was saying something that seemed a little off. But really what he was saying is I'm the bread of life. And unless you partake of me, and unless you are washed in my blood spiritually, right, you will have no part in me. And that's what he was really saying. And uh, if we're led by the Spirit, I believe we will also be hated for our words. We're going to talk differently, right? 
And I'm not talking about Christianese. How many of y'all speak Christianese? You know what Christianese is. You need a translator for that. It's a crazy language. How you doing today? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. God bless you. Uh, God, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Like, bro, I just ask you how you were. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we talk in Christianese sometimes. We we think about you know uh, just the the churchy way to kind of sugarcoat things. And the world is not looking for us to speak in Christianese. And sometimes we have to make sure that we understand what it really means to speak the truth and to actually be hated for our words. When we are hated for our words, it's going to be hopefully not because we speak Christianese. It's because we speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says this, speak the truth in love. Some of us speak the truth, right? I'm just, I'm just telling the truth. Hey, I'm just giving a piece of my mind. I just got to speak the truth. But he said, you got to speak the truth in love. And so we will be hated for when we speak the truth. And I believe we need to speak the truth. And then the way we're going to get this truth out is by speaking it in love. You know, when we speak the truth, we are contrary to what the society and the world and the culture is telling us is the truth. Because society's uh, standard of the truth is to what? Live our own truth. Live your own truth. Whatever feels good to you, do it. If it's, hey, if that's the way you feel, that's who you must be. That's the way you must be uh, created. You, you, I mean, if, if you feel that way, that's truth. Live your own truth. We have to actually say, you know what? Listen, I, that's not actually true. <laughs> if Jesus is the truth, and if this is what God's design is, then that's the truth for your life. This is how you were created. This was God's design for your life. We're going to be contrary to the world. And we have to be not afraid to speak the truth and love in these last days. Amen? I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Where we face a society that is so confused and so uh, literally lost that uh, they don't even understand what the truth is. And we're not going to be able to set people free unless we tell them the truth. Parents need to tell kids the truth. Right? grandparents need to tell kids the truth. We've got to start raising our kids on the truth. So many times we say, well, I don't want to offend. Yeah, but the truth is needed to be spoken in these moments. Hopefully in our homes, hopefully in our workplaces, we can start to speak the truth in love. Secondly, Jesus said this. He said, you're going to be hated for your works, right? Verse 24, he said, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both my father. We're going to be hated for our works. That's what we should be hated for, not because we're weird, but because of our works. What was one of the works that Jesus was hated most for? Well, one of those was healing a man on the Sabbath. You know, uh, this guy needed healing. He healed him. Pharisees got upset because the Sabbath, the Pharisees used to make up stuff. They used to make up rules for you to follow. And then obviously keeping the Sabbath day holy was a commandment. And so they took that commandment and they ran with it. And they went to the left and they just went down a, a rabbit hole of making up rules that you couldn't do. You couldn't flip on a light switch. You can't drive two miles. You can only drive 1.9 miles on the Sabbath. And there's just all these like rules that are just ab absurd to make it harder and to hinder people from get, actually get, obeying the Sabbath, right? So it was this competition of who's going to be the most perfect person to keep the Sabbath. So no one could really even keep the Sabbath anymore. And so Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath and say, listen, you guys are worshiping this law and I've come not to break the law. And I don't believe Jesus was breaking the law by healing a man on the Sabbath. He wasn't bending the law. He was showing that the law was not to be worshipped to the point that it was. 
Pharisees were just making up stuff. And that's just like us today. We make up stuff that you have to do to become a Christian or that you have to do after you become a Christian. So now you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And there's a dress code for Sundays or maybe there's, you know, we've got to make sure we act a certain way. And Jesus was focused more on healing people on the Sabbath than he was about hindering people. Uh, through rules. And I'm, I want us to understand that the man-made rules is what he was talking about. Because there's obviously God commandments, and there's things that we have to obey God in. There's obviously standards and commandments that he gives us, but it's the man-made rules, right? You know, back when I was uh, a kid in church, you know, back in, the, I don't know, 80s, 90s, it was a different world back then. There was no cell phones. There was no Twitter. There's no internet, none of that stuff. And so people usually just went to the local church down the street. You didn't go, you know, across town to another church. And so, you know, we just, we did church. We had church. It was awesome. We shouted, we sang, and then we went to eat. And so, you know, my, my parents had a different way of thinking. And I think, you know, just growing up in our society, it was like, well, listen, you go to church on Sunday. That's what you do. And then, you know, you, you make sure that you rest. And so anyone who was working on Sunday, it was like, you look down upon it, right? So it was like... Well, he was going to be a nurse, but he just would have had to work on Sunday. You know, he was going to work at the hospital. Yeah, but they make him work on Sunday. I was like, well, who do you think is taking care of all these sick people on Sunday? I guess it's just a bunch of sick people in beds, and there's no, nobody helping them on Sunday. They can't come back until Monday at 8 o'clock, right? We used to just make people feel bad for working on Sunday. It's a, the funny part about it is that we get done with church, and then we go where? To the restaurant. Well, who do you think is taking your order? <laughs> And serving you all those meals and serving you the buffet, right? And so we would just, we, we, we had this contrary idea of what it meant to obey the Sabbath because in the context that we were living in, we felt like, well, uh, man was made for the Sabbath, but Jesus said that's not the case. Sabbath was made for man. I'm not saying we shouldn't obey the Sabbath. I'm not saying we shouldn't have rest. I'm not saying that we should uh, not understand uh, the laws that God has set up, but sometimes laws have to be broken in order to obey God's commandment. I mean, as recent as, you know, uh, several years ago in our country, there were laws of segregation that needed to be broken for the laws to change, that needed to be broken for people to be free. Amen? We look at Dr. Martin Luther King, a man who literally, and the Freedom Riders, they, they set up protests and they physically broke the law in Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia and South Carolina. There were laws that needed to be broken. They put their lives at risk. Matter of fact, Martin Luther King was assassinated for obeying the call of God on his life as a gospel preacher to say, listen, we've got to do what's right. And a nation was changed and a world was inspired and, 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 and he obeyed the call of God on his life, but it cost him his life. And we've got to be understanding that, listen, if we're going to obey God's law and we're going to obey what God has called us to do and fulfill his calling on our life, sometimes we're going to have to do things that make us hated by this world. Amen. We're going to have to be hated by this world. And you know what happens when you get to that point where you start obeying God to the fullest extent? You start shifting industries. You know what I'm saying? You start actually upsetting the, the government. You start actually upsetting uh, people in the, in, the, in, the, in the business world. You're going to start to have opposition. You're going to have to start uh, understanding that we've got to be okay with being canceled by this world. You see, in Acts chapter 16, Paul heals a demon-possessed girl. And her master couldn't make any more money from her because she was a fortune teller. So he was making money off of her. Jesus, uh, Paul heals her. And all of a sudden, he's like pissed. So he puts, her, it puts, puts Paul and Silas in prison. So now Paul and Silas are in prison, and the world is coming against them. There's hatred. There's persecution because they started shifting up industries. 
And so I wonder what industries we could shift today or shut down if the church just started actually doing the work of Jesus. What work is God calling you to do today that you might be hated for? We can't be afraid to be canceled by this world if it means being obedient to the calling God has placed on our lives. If we are obeying God's call, it means we're going to be canceled by this world. We've got to be okay. We've got to embrace being canceled. We can't be afraid to do the work that God has created us to do. And it's going to be dirty work. We're going to have to get our hands dirty. It might put us in opposition to this world. Ephesians 2 says this, For we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so there's something that God has for us today, individually, corporately as a church. We're going to face opposition if we stand for what's right and if we do what's right. Amen. And I hope that today maybe God is calling you to start a business, start a ministry, start a nonprofit. Maybe he's calling you to just bypass all of that and actually just do some good work. Sometimes we think we've got to have a nonprofit to do good work, but we just need to we just need to do it. And when we start to do that, we will face opposition when we start upsetting industries. Thirdly, let's go back to this scripture here, John 15. Jesus was hated for his words. He was hated for his works. And then he says this. He says, we're going to be hated for our witness. Verse 27, verse 26, he says that the Holy Spirit or the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth will bear witness of me. And he says, I bear witness of the father. In another scripture, he says, the spirit will bear witness of me. And he said, you'll also bear witness of me, because you have been with me from the beginning. You see, Jesus was hated for his witness because he claimed to be God. He said in John chapter 8, he said, before Abraham was, I am. In John 10, he said, I and the Father are one. His witness made him uh, hated by the Pharisees who thought they knew who the Father was. His witness was when he healed people and when he, uh, when he changed people's lives, when he provided for people, it made the Pharisees realize that they were in sin. It made people realize, man, there's something different about him, and I've been going about this all wrong. As Christians, we're called to be a witness. We've seen this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses. Many of us think that means hitting the streets with a bullhorn, right? You think about witnessing, it's like... Repent now or turn or burn. You're going to hell. You know, you have people with a bullhorn on the side of the road. You've seen this before. I'm sure some of you have. Um, I don't, you know, or maybe we like, we dropped the $100 bill, you know, the fake $100 bill at the restaurant. Check that out. Yeah. You need Jesus. It's like, no, she needs a tip. She just waited on your table for 30 minutes, and y'all were screaming the whole time that the food was not coming fast enough, right? That's not a witness. That's just weird. The bullhorn, the fake $100 bill track, that's weird. That's not a witness. A witness is someone who provides or confirms evidence or proof in a courtroom. The Greek word for witness is martyres, which comes from martyreo, which means to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. We will be a witness when our lives demonstrate that we have seen and heard and experienced the grace of Jesus. Your witness is the proof and the evidence of God's grace. See, when you have the, the, the opportunity to steal a little money at work or cut a corner at the job, when you have an opportunity to 
indulge in sin, when someone gives you an opportunity relationally to uh, make a move outside of your relationship uh, with God or maybe outside of your marriage, and you don't indulge in that and you uh, actually yield uh, to, to the Spirit of God and you don't give in to temptation, your co-workers see that, they notice that, that's a witness for Christ. It's a witness in your home when we say, listen, I'm going to make sure I do the right thing here, even though it's going to cost me in the short term. That's a witness. It's not using our words. It's not even doing any type of work. It's just saying this is a witness for Christ. I've been changed. I've been set apart. I've been set free. I'm different now. I'm, I cannot go out and, and, and make those decisions anymore because I don't want to. That's not what's best for me. God has more for my life. And sometimes, you know, we used to go out witness and knocking on doors. Maybe we should get back to that. Uh, that would be awesome. You just knock on people's doors and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Let's pray right now. Um, but a witness sometimes is, is just the demonstration of your life. It's not having to convince someone. It's less about convincing someone of the truth. And it's more about convincing people of God's grace through your actions. When they see your life differently, when they see how you walk, they see how you talk, it all matches up. And they're like, wow, something's different about you, man. And it's your witness in front of people that you're witnessing to Christ. You're witnessing of him and what he's done in your life. Jesus witnessed of the Father, the Spirit witnessed of Christ, and we witness of Him. That's what the Spirit of God does. He helps us witness of what we have seen and what has been demonstrated in our lives. The truth is, Jesus was canceled so that we could be accepted. And we, when Jesus says a servant's not greater than his master, we are going to be canceled as well by this world. And we have to be okay with that. We have to embrace that. We have to actually get excited about it. I'm excited about being canceled by this world. And I'm preaching to myself today. I've got to get a, a, a new perspective on what it means to live for Christ. I've got to stop worrying about what people think, right? What they're going to think about you if you take this side. What they're going to think about you if you believe this. What they're going to think about you if you speak up about that. And I'm not saying we should just be like terrorizing folks, but we've got to stand for truth in these last days and say, God, I want to be someone who doesn't care about being canceled. Cancel me if you want because Christ was canceled. I'm going to be canceled. And actually, the, the proof of us saying, listen, I've been changed is our witness, living it out. Say, listen, this is who I am and this is what I believe and this is who God has called me to be. And when we do those things and we stand for Christ, we're not weird, but we're, we're using our words and our works and our witness for Christ. I believe God will do the rest. And it doesn't mean that every person is going to be saved because we know that's not the case, but it is going to save some. And we're going to be used by God to bring people to him. But we're going to be hated by this world because of the prince of the power of this world, Satan himself. He's he's working. And we've got to say, listen, we're in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. As the band comes up, I want to close this message just as a moment to worship and to praise. Band can come on up if you can. That'd be amazing. I want to read from this scripture, Colossians 2, 14 through 15 in the New Living Translation. Bible says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, watch this. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, Jesus canceled our sin so that we could be accepted by Christ. We could be accepted by God as children. And 
really in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the Bible says that he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus not only died for our sin, he died as our sin. He became homosexuality. He became lying. He became uh, cheating. He became uh, dishonesty. and uh, He became uh, adultery. He became a fornication. He became <coughs> hatred. He became sin. He put it on his body. The Bible says that all of the wrath of God was placed on him on the cross. And so Jesus died as your sin. He rose from the grave so that we never have to be punished for our sin. It is the gospel truth that we stand on today. It is what we need today to understand is that our sin has been canceled. And if it's been canceled, we can't be afraid to be canceled for Christ. And I know that's a little bit of a, 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 a cute way of just saying we're going to be hated by this world. We're going to be persecuted by this world. But Paul said this, my life is hidden with Christ. Many of his disciples were canceled. We'll see in later scriptures here that they were martyred for the gospel of Christ. And I don't believe God is calling most of you to be martyrs. Maybe that happens if you were to shift up enough industries. <laughs> you make enough uh, governments mad, they'll, they'll come for you. But God's probably not calling most of us in this room to be a martyr. He's just calling you uh, to be a witness. He's calling you to be a witness today. He's calling you to be someone that's just going to stand up for what's right, do what's right, and say, you know what? I'm willing to be canceled if it means for the cause of Christ today. I want us to stand together. We're going to worship. We're going to take a moment to pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.